0: What services in your company will be the ones that customers really remember you for? And focus on that, get rid of the rest, and find partners working together with in order to fulfill the dreams that your customers have.
1: Welcome to the Ultimate Guide to Partnering. In this podcast, Vince Minzione, a proven industry sales and partner executive, brings together technology leaders in this forum to discuss transformational trends and to deconstruct successful strategies to thrive and survive in the rapid age of cloud transformation. And now your host, Vince Menzion. Welcome to or welcome back to The Ultimate Guide to Partnering. I'm Vince Menzione, your host, and for this episode of the podcast, I was delighted to sit down with a friend and fellow partner leader, Per Werngren. Per is both a successful technology entrepreneur and a partner leader. Based in Stockholm, Sweden, Per was an early pioneer and helped to grow the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners. Per is also the father of what we refer to as partner-to-partner selling, or P2P. And he's worked with Microsoft and other organizations to help promulgate the success of this concept. I invited Pear to the podcast because I wanted our listeners to learn more about successful partnering. In this episode, you'll learn more about Pear and the work that he's done over his career. And we deep dive on partner-to-partner, why that's an important concept, and why it's a critical accelerant for growth. For organizations, especially now during this time. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I enjoyed my time with Pear Wingren. Pear, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being here.
1: I'm really excited to finally have you as a guest on Ultimate Guide to Partnering. You and I share some of the same passions. We've both been in this partner orbit for quite some time, and I know we share some of the same beliefs around partnerships. You're a serial entrepreneur, a longtime Microsoft partner, and in fact have helped create the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners, the IAMCP, which I'm also active in. So I'm really excited to have you as a guest today. Thank you. So for our listeners who might not know Per Werngren, can you describe yourself to us?
0: Yeah. So I've been living in the Microsoft partner ecosystem for the past 20 years. I have always had, uh, I used to say that I had two jobs. My daytime job running a Microsoft partner in Scandinavia that I eventually sold in 2016 and my unpaid night job running the IAMCP. (laughs) And my unpaid night job was uh, the funniest job I have ever had. It was uh, also the best paid job. Payment in uh, terms of money was zero, but payment in terms of making friendships and learning and perhaps teaching a bit was uh, amazing.
1: You know, you've been a really strong voice here and eyes and ears of the channel for so many years. I know you're well-respected uh, within all of the circles that we both participate in. How exactly did that happen? I mean, you talk, talk to me more about that second job or that second career.
0: Yeah, so at the end of the 90s, uh, I wanted to build a closer relationship with Microsoft. So I engaged in the IMCP, I didn't know much about it, but uh, uh, I attended a meeting in Stockholm. And then when it was time, um, perhaps 2001, to uh, go to uh, Los Angeles for the WPC, Worldwide Partner Conference, our president in the Swedish chapter couldn't make it. So uh, I flew out a few days ahead because I was going to the conference anyway and attended IMCP an IMCP board meeting prior to the conference. And then I learned that uh, these were great people. They had a great passion around partnering, and I wanted to be part of that inner circle. So that was how it started. And uh, then I got uh, elected as president-elect worldwide the year after, I think. And uh, the rest is history.
1: Well, you must have done something right because you've been a five-term president of the Worldwide Association. Is that correct?
0: Yes, that's right. So at that time, the IMCP uh, was in four countries, United States, Canada, Italy, and Sweden. It was a very small organization. And uh, together with uh, my board, we made a strategic plan to grow the IMCP. And I invested a lot of time traveling to all corners of the world. And uh, when I left, we were present in 44 countries. So during that that journey, I got closer and closer to Microsoft. I I built relationships with uh, various teams and, more important, various people. And uh, we discovered that um, we could help each other. So I got invited to be part of the Infrastructure Partner Advisor Council and WPC, then the Inspire Partner Experience Board was the name. And that gave me a lot of traction with Microsoft. I understood a little bit deeper what they wanted to accomplish in different areas. And this was something that I could take both to my day job Uh, running Idenet in Scandinavia, but also to uh, build and how to expand the IMCP.
1: So tell me a little bit more about that expansion. How did you go from four to 44? And what was the value proposition for these organizations to join?
0: So in my speeches, I always said that if you pay your membership fee, and after one year, you don't see that you have gotten any value out of it, I will personally reimburse you the payment out of my own pocket.
1: Wow. I love that.
0: <laughs> that was
1: one thing. Money-back guarantee. Absolutely. And so far, I haven't paid out uh, a single cent. That says quite a bit. That says quite a bit. and So the key
0: to success in the INCP has been people meeting each other in person. And that's uh, a little bit the mechanism behind the INCP, arranging not during corona times, but uh, in all other times, arranging in-person meetings where people... Locally, get together, build trust, and uh, once they have built trust, they will automatically discover how to do business with each other. And also uh, cross-border partnering, people in one location meeting people in another location. So uh, open chapter meetings where people are invited from other geographies. It can be in the USA, people from other states, or it can be people from uh, traveling from other countries to a meeting. And WPC, Worldwide Partner Conference, now Inspire, has always been uh, an important arena for the ICP, not just to uh, gain visibility. We have been on the main stage a few times, but also for our members to meet each other.
1: Yeah. You have your own section generally on the show floor. A lot of top Microsoft executives spend time with the group, with the executive group at IAMCP as well during that time. Isn't that correct?
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Another important component for the IMCP has been uh, the support from the person that uh, has been channel chief. I would say that it started with Alison Watson. Alison was great. She really believed in us and she supported us. We had her as a speaker in uh, various meetings every time when she was uh, traveling. And uh, if there was an ICP chapter in that uh, location, we always uh, try to arrange a meeting for our members with Alison as a guest. And that was also something that helped us look more important, perhaps more important than we were. And it helped us attract uh, new members, also uh, more traction with Microsoft, especially Microsoft in the field.
1: You know, you mentioned channel chiefs, and Microsoft just made a major announcement at the top in terms of the channel chief with the passing of the baton or the torch, if you will, from our good friend Gabriella Schuster to another good friend, Rodney Clark. Two amazing people, by the way, and I've gotten to know both of them. What are your thoughts on the move and how do you think it'll impact partners and IMCP?
0: First of all, uh, I think that Gabriella has done a tremendous job. Uh, When she started out um, uh, in the organization, uh, the Worldwide Partner Group, as it was then called, and she became general manager. Uh, she had a lot of thoughts about how to uh, uh, change the way Microsoft uh, interacted with their partners. And I said to her that you will probably find a lot of um, obstacles. People will tell you that, no, you cannot do that, but just hang on because your vision is the right one. And then she got elevated to uh, vice president role and took over the whole organization that then was renamed. And I think that she has really delivered. She has delivered on every promise she has made, and she has been a visionary. She has also been someone that the partner community really trusts. So I think that, uh, thank you, Gabriella, for a very good run and I fully respect that uh, she wants to move on and to do something new, something that brings more excitement than uh, running the organization that uh, she has so successfully been running for quite some time.
1: She has so much passion about what she's been doing. And, you know, she was on this podcast back in late November talking about the work she's been doing, Women in the Cloud, her TED Talk presentation her presentation at ted talk was just amazing it was outstanding you could see the passion from gabriella really exude during that talk
0: yes yes that is perhaps a segue to uh, i think that gabriella she during her run being channel chief she has done great things uh, around um, women in it and she has uh, had good help with people in uh, on, on the partner side so i think that women in it uh, is in so much better shape is perhaps the wrong way to say but i think that uh, we have started to make cracks on that uh, glass ceiling a little bit
1: yeah yeah I, i i can't wait for what's next from gabriella i i suspect that this will continue we still have issues with women leaving the workforce we discussed that on the podcast and with COVID and the pandemic, it's actually exacerbated, really, from, yeah. uh, from where it was.
0: Yeah. And uh, some of the best people I have hired over the years have been moms. Moms that uh, wants to get back to work life. Perhaps they uh, are not able to work full time and they need a little bit more flexibility. Uh, I've often found uh, these being my very best recruits.
1: So we've been talking a little bit about on the edges of this pandemic this last year. First, I can't wait to get back together, go to an IAMCP event, go to Worldwide or Inspire, Worldwide Partner Conference or Inspire. I, could, I can't believe I'm actually saying I, I can't wait to go to Las Vegas, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, we thought that, wow, Las Vegas, it's really hot. We don't want to go there, but we really want to go to Inspire. Uh, if it is in Las Vegas or in the desert outside Las Vegas, I will go.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to hoist a cocktail with you, in fact. I'm looking forward to that. And too, uh, but, but what have you experienced? Like, What did you see happen this past year? I mean, it's been over a year now since we've all been locked yeah. down. Go so ahead. one year ago,
0: I was really afraid of uh, our partners that they would have problems, uh, well, paying their bills, paying their salaries. But uh, when I look back, I see that Of course, some partners have had problems, but most of the partners have reinvented themselves. They have seen the opportunity helping their customers, uh, how to work remote, how to access systems, how to collaborate without physically meeting each other. And our partner ecosystem has uh, had great help, of course, uh, thanks to the innovation from Microsoft, not just around Teams, but uh, other systems, platforms from Microsoft that have enabled partners to build solutions that uh, couldn't have been built a few years ago. Microsoft have accelerated innovation and partners have accelerated reinventing themselves.
1: And so, you know, you and I have a topic that we both care quite a bit about. In fact, that's how we got introduced around the work around partner to partner. My experience being at Microsoft and then leading a billion-dollar global ISV and, you know, some of the challenges that I see organizations face here, right, it seems to be not as intuitive as it should be. But you have spent quite a bit of time on the partner to partner. In fact, you're kind of known as Mr. P2P, if you, if you don't mind me saying that. And some of our mutual friends and listeners, can you describe what P2P is and why it's so important, especially now?
0: So P2P or partner to partner, and sometimes called partnering is when uh, two companies uh, in our ecosystem, doesn't need to be in our ecosystem, but two companies are coming together and they see that they can do greater things if they work together than they would be able to achieve if they were working alone. And when they are able to come together and create greater things, they will increase their competitiveness and customers will love partners that are not just bringing pieces of a solution, but uh, a solution that is integrated and works together. And there are so many flavors of partnering. There are so many pl- flavors of of partners, and there are uh, equal uh, number of flavors of partnering. And it is, I believe, very much in, uh, in uh, a company. Uh, a company needs to focus on something needs to specialize, needs to find out what are they really great doing. And once you have carved out a niche, it might be a segment in the market, like a vertical, or it might be a a type of solutions that you feel that you are the best of the best building. Then you will probably find your customers are interested in having conversations about something that is broader, And then bringing in a fellow partner working together is something that really makes sense. Uh, We did a a study with IDC a few years ago, and they showed in that study that partners that work together, partners that really embrace P2P, will grow 20% faster year after year than the rest. And if you look at that uh, over a decade, 10 years, 20% year by year, well, then... You have more than doubled your enterprise.
1: Yeah, I, I am so in a line with you here. Partnerships, building multiple partnerships, being a key accelerant to growth and transformation and ultimately survival of a business.
0: Yeah, and to me, partnerships doesn't need to be the same as a channel. A channel is a new word of um, resellerships. Uh, and uh, the reseller model is something that works, but thanks to the cloud, resellers are not always needed. There are so many ISVs that are able to sell their solutions without resellers. But when you think about partnering P2P, then it is about two parties both being uh, financially rewarded for working together. and. The best partnering goes both ways. It is not just one company selling the other company's products or services, but it is both companies or three companies or four companies selling each other's services and products.
1: You know, I've heard that we've all used this term before, one plus one equals three or more. So it's got to be aggregate to the success of the organizations. It can't just be one plus one equals two, as you say. Yeah. It's got to multiply the success, and what we see too. You know, I, I've had Jay McBain on the podcast multiple times, talk to other leaders in this space around this same topic. Is that our our customers' buying journey has changed over the years? It's become a digital buying journey. They have be, they have other organizations that are influencing the sale, right? So, who are the five seats at the table? my trusted advisors, if you will. And, and I think that A, you get to multiply that chance through a partner to partner play. B, you get other channels to market, not necessarily channel resellers, but channels to market other industries and then capabilities, right? That you normally may not have that your partner can be complimentary on.
0: Yeah, so, so like if you have five partners, just take that number working together. Well, then you can probably create uh, solutions that are richer, Uh, your customers will love that and uh, five partners working together that knows how to work together brings confidence to the customer because customers are afraid of hiring different companies and when uh, they don't get the expected outcome partners uh, sometimes uh, play the blame game but partners that that have an experience of creating success together that is something that customers like. Also, if you have five partners working together, five different sales teams that uh, work together, but also meet their own customers, well, then you will probably meet five more, five times more customers every month than if you're working alone. So you have more ears. Five, five partners working together is uh, eight more ears.
1: I like that. Eight, Eight more ears. So talk to me about, you know, you've presented quite a few times. In fact, you've shared some of the presentations that you've done with me. You've created a maturity model or framework around what makes successful P2P. Can you share with our listeners maybe some of what the key components of that are?
0: I created this model based on my experience meeting partners in all corners of the world. And when I came to a new country, partners often told me, Per, you need to understand here in our country, things are different. We do things in a very different way. But after having met like 44 countries, well, you start to see a pattern. You start to see that things are not super different. Things are very much the same. They call it different things perhaps, but the key structure for successful partnering is more or less the same. So I captured my knowledge and I talked to other People that uh, I knew had something to say about how to drive successful P2P. And uh, I created this model, the P2P maturity model. And I brought in IDC in order to validate the mo- model, to, to like uh, test it if it was working. They gave the sta- stamp of approval, and we have created two white papers since. This model measures uh, maturity in four stages, four different stages where the first is basic then you have reactive proactive and dynamic and we do this over 10 areas or 10 business functions as we call it and when you do an assessment you will probably see that when you're starting the journey of p2p you will be basic or perhaps reactive in each and one of these 10 business functions but after a while like half a year you will start to see that you are becoming proactive. And after another time, you will probably see that you are starting to become dynamic in one or two of these business functions. The goal is not to take every partner on earth to become dynamic in all 10 business functions. But the goal is to make sure that every partner that embraces this model and really starts to work around having a structured approach to P2P, will find that they are increasing their maturity. This is a journey that never ends. There's always um, one more, more bend, so you will never hit the finish line. But for every turn that you take on this journey, you will see that you increase maturity, and you will automatically increase success both financially and uh, organically.
1: What what traits did you find during either building this out and, and implementing it? Like what traits made the most successful partners? Was there anything that stood out for you in terms of ones that embraced it better than others, going to dynamic?
0: So ISVs, of course, uh, but also learning partners. Learning partners was perhaps a, a surprise to see that learning partners that really try to partner with uh, si's uh, and msps uh, and dynamic partners they saw some success and that was unexpected i was expecting that isv's would uh, love working uh, according to this model and uh, isv's when i created the model isv's were selling very much indirect but now isv's are selling more and more direct so so their business has changed but uh, they can still benefit a lot doing P2P because when you're selling enterprise solutions, you often need people on the ground that uh, can do tweaks on the solution and that have knowledge in certain verticals.
1: It's an interesting point around the ISVs in particular. Can you peel back on that a little bit with me? So I do get it. Some ISVs believe that a direct model is a quicker path to success. Is that what you've been seeing?
0: Yes, And increasingly, uh, I see that it is possible, but uh, for some solutions or or some verticals, you might need uh, people on the ground, especially if you're doing, uh, if you're taking your ISV solution uh, to other geographies, it can be in other states in the US, or it can be in two other countries, you sometimes need people that like understands the insurance business or whatever business it might be.
1: You know, I actually find that short-sighted of ISVs when they think that the direct route to market is the best. I do find that there are still other partners involved. In fact, some of the one of the partners I just highlighted on an episode of the podcast is a traditional systems integrator that has a reseller model for the hyperscaler that they work with that's yep. now building their own ISV alliance strategy and bringing ISVs in to their customers a lot of these big uh, these are customers of the big hyperscalers right they're able to help these isvs be more successful by getting giving them credibility into the customer giving them the incremental services and support that they need around building out that infrastructure for the client as well, because you're not necessarily just buying that one point solution from an ISV. And I think- No, uh,
0: there are so many layers. There are layers around uh, uh, support, there are layers uh, around uh, uh, tweaking or or, or customizing the solution so that it really fits the customer. I agree, ISVs and SIs uh, are often a great fit. Uh, When you're selling into the enterprise uh, segment, you often need a, a local SI to work with.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we've been talking about this transformation here and all these solutions that are now being implemented so much more rapidly today, right? In this last year, in fact, we've seen this even more rapid transformation. Satya has been calling this out, right? He called it out at first, like two or three months of the year. We've seen two or three years of transformation. It seems to continue to accelerate. And, you know, I've discussed that there are going to be winners and losers. What are your predictions for our listeners? for partners in the channel about what we'll continue to see?
0: So we will continue to see, I believe, very much the same that we have seen the past year. But we will see that people that are relying on selling hours, like the traditional SI model, they will have problems. It is more services right now. And enabling people to work from other locations than uh, uh, an official office Building solutions around that, building solutions around collaboration, absolutely. If you are Microsoft specific, I would say that there are still a lot of business to be made around Teams, but not necessarily implementing Teams. It is about making sure that uh, applications are first class citizens inside Teams and not just uh, so that you use Teams uh, for browsing, but true integration. That's an opportunity for for both SIs making it happen, but also for ISVs to uh, make it happen. Uh, And then Microsoft are doing, uh, they have for quite some time, they have been investing in the Power Platform family. And the Power Platform family is something that Microsoft uh, really sees a future about. And what I like about this is that partners that have great uh, knowledge of a certain vertical will be able to create solutions that are custom built for this vertical at a fraction of the time it would have needed a few years ago when you did traditional software development.
1: So like low code, basically.
0: Yeah, low code, no code. Partners probably need to uh, identify one or two verticals. And I think that partners should uh, Uh, Build the knowledge for that vertical, perhaps uh, like if you're talking about healthcare, it's always easy to talk about healthcare because it needs uh, modernization worldwide. But uh, hiring a nurse, hiring a nurse that knows healthcare is something that both creates trust when you're talking to customers, but also that person knows how the business uh, works inside healthcare. So hiring someone, if you don't have that person that really knows a vertical and that person can help identify together with the customer what is needed and thanks to no code low code you will be able to create solutions much quicker and with traditional software development well uh, come back after three years let's see what we have built
1: yeah i love what you have to say here too first around making the applications a first class citizen in teams and yes. then around the power platform and what I would call business process re-engineering or modernization or optimization, whatever choice of words, but yes. uh, yeah, and then having the subject matter experts within your organization to go do that.
0: Yeah, and then uh, uh, I see a continued opportunity for hosters or we call them MSPs, managed solutions providers nowadays. Many of these hosters, MSPs, are running their own data centers, or perhaps they do cool location, but they have their own hardware equipment. So I think that now when Azure, the price tag on running virtual machines on Azure is now lower than running your own data center. And that means that there are no excuses running your own data center un- unless uh, you have really specific customer demands. But in general, there are no excuses for keeping your existing data centers. instead, you should move to Azure and you should look at what are the things that your customers appreciate your for. Is it that you have a data center with some hardware running, or is it that you are able to take care of uh, their applications and their systems? And I believe the latter. I believe that taking care of applications, uh, guaranteeing uptime on application level, managing applications. Uh, Managing solutions, that is the secret sauce for traditional hosters that are moving to Azure and becoming MSPs in Azure. And it is a great opportunity. It is also a great opportunity for the ones that are not, uh, that have not been in the hosting space because now the bar of entry is so much lower. So SIs will probably start to become uh, not just... uh, or or, sorry, SIs will start to become companies taking care of uptime, doing very much the same things that traditional hosters were doing, but they are not running their own data centers. I call them virtual hosters.
1: Virtual hosters. And you're right, because the the, the managed service offerings, hey, I was thinking about this, the whole security, the issue around security is so great right now. If you're hosting your own software, so big. I mean, you can't plug every hole but the, the hyperscalers can do it in, in such a way that you can't. And then, you know, the, the services, it's really around the services you offer around that offering. It's, yeah. not, it's, it's not the boxes, right? It's not the no, rack. it is
0: not the, just the hosting virtual machines. It is right. about something above that.
1: Yeah, I agree. And what about challenges that you think that these organizations, these partner organizations face today? What are the biggest challenges that they have?
0: Trying to do too much, trying to be too broad, Instead of specializing, they uh, try to be jack of all trades. And of course, they don't write that on their home pages, but a little bit they are trying to do too much. Kill your own darlings is uh, is an old mantra. And uh, it takes guts to uh, uh, peel off the the things in your organization that uh, is not important for the future where you don't see that you have strategic strength
1: yeah i so agree with this you know i'll share with you i did a workshop once where the partner had a slide that had i don't know somewhere between 40 or 50 different solutions on that slide and we looked at that and said you need to get down to the one two or three things you do best right i mean what is what is going to drive your future growth of your business to your point
0: exactly you don't uh, need to be amazon selling everything you should be a specialized
1: shop and i'm always reminded of when steve jobs came back to apple during that really bad time they were doing they were trying yeah. to do way too many things yeah and he basically trimmed the portfolio down to about five products at that point yes yes and then look and look what happened i mean <laughs>
0: People will get hurt, so you need to make a plan for when you are uh, specializing and you are getting rid of uh, services or areas, practices that are redundant, you need to do it in a responsible way. Uh, Some of these people might be needed elsewhere in your organization, but some people might find a better harbor at a partner, at a partner that you trust, that Uh, actually specializes in the area that you are no longer going to have inside your company.
1: I love that. You might know, Per, that I've had Dr. Michael Gervais on the podcast. We did a two-part episode. Uh, We talked about mindfulness. We talked about first principles. He's just amazing. You did a lot of work with Sati and the leadership team. What are you doing for your own mental health and mindfulness, living in Stockholm, being sheltered? Tell us more about that.
0: Yeah, so so, um, one of my passions is... uh, Skiing. So um, the whole family ski a lot. And when I talk skiing, it is alpine skiing. So nice. we are uh, engaged in uh, local ski club here. Uh, I'm actually the president of the ski club and we are uh, skiing. I would say I have been in a ski club 80 days this year. and that's 80, uh, days. 80 wow. days. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good uh, for mental health, uh, doing something totally different. Not uh, not about thinking about strategies, but uh, thinking uh, about how to help the kids with the next turn,
1: kind of. That's, that's, and the exercise is astounding, right? I mean, it's, wow.
0: Being uh, outdoors is uh, so wonderful. Sometimes it can be a little bit too wonderful when it is really freezing, but uh, it, is, uh, it is rewarding.
1: It sounds fabulous. We don't get to do very much of that down here in Florida, unfortunately. <laughs> No, I think you can at best do water skiing. Stand up paddle boarding is about as far as I take it. Talk to me, you know, you are, I'd love for you to share with us. If you had a billboard and this is sort of the message you would want to leave or your personal statement that you would leave to the world. Maybe this billboards in Stockholm, maybe it's in Redmond where you have some of your business interests. What would that billboard say on it?
0: Yeah, I think that it would say something along the lines of partnering creates prosperity.
1: Partnering creates creates prosperity. I like that one.
0: It doesn't need to be in IT, in our ecosystem, but in general, partnering, bringing people together, doing things together creates different kinds of prosperity.
1: Well, being the host of The Ultimate Guide to Partnering, that one really resonates with me very well. So I love it. I love that one. You know, Pear, you have been an amazing guest. I'm so excited to finally get to know you a little bit better through our mutual work and to have you as a guest here today. Any additional comments or advice you have for our listeners on optimizing their success?
0: Start to think what services in your company will be the ones that customers really remember you for and focus on that get rid of the rest and find partners working together with in order to fulfill the dreams that your customers have
1: i like that quite a bit Per thank you so much for joining the ultimate guide to partnering
0: thank you Vince, and i think that your series of conversations is so wonderful so i will continue being a trusted listener
1: as with each of my episodes, I appreciate your support. Please subscribe on your favorite platform, like, comment, tell your friends about Ultimate Guide to Partnering and where they can find us. And I'd love your feedback. Please like the podcast and provide comments or reach out to me at Vince Menzion on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also like and follow Ultimate Guide to Partnering on our Facebook page or drop me a line at Vince M at ultimate-partnerships. Com. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Ultimate Partnerships. Ultimate Partnerships helps you get the most results from your partnerships. Get partnerships right, optimize for success, deliver results. For more information, go to ultimate-partnerships.com.